Hi, welcome to Authorise, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hilliard. This week we're talking to a first-time author. You'll find out more about him and a great book that he's written in just a moment. But a word about our podcast partners, CSCG. They're the people to talk to about your financial goals, the things that you want to do with your finances, the things, uh, how you'd like it set up, where you'd like it to be going, the direction you'd like it to be pointing. If those things, if those boxes aren't being ticked for you, these are the people you should be talking to. CSCG. Give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website, cscg.com.au. There you'll see all the services they have, the people that you'll be dealing with, uh, the uh, the company, what it's all about, and uh, the you know, you'll get a feel for it. And I'm sure you're gonna uh, love doing business with them because they are great people. Double nine seven four eight triple three. That's the number to give them a call. Our author this week is a first-time author. His name is Matthew Spencer. He's been around and, uh, journalism and around writing for a number of years, but this is his first book and it is a beauty, a terrific plot and uh, brilliantly executed by Matthew. So let's find out all about Black River by Matthew Spencer through Alan the Nunwin here on the Authorised Podcast. Well done. Must feel good to be a first-time author. It does feel good. Um, took a while, four years, um, four editors, but we got there in the end. <laughs> So when did the idea of, of writing a book, I mean, we, we should uh, uh, sort of fill in the gaps. So journalist for, what, 20-odd years with The Australian? Yeah. In, in all that time, I mean, you're, you're a proper sort of sit-at-the-desk journalist, you're, you're not, uh, or, or were you gallivanting around the world? No, I did a bit of gallivanting, but more domestically, and that was probably in the first third of my career, and then I became a sort of section editor, um, so I was pretty well behind the desk. Was there thoughts of writing a book floating through your head during that time or not? Not really, unless a great sort of non-fiction, you know, a real story popped up. I think the really good ones don't come along very often, and when they do, uh, it's pretty competitive. I will be thinking of something like Ivan Milat or Bradley John Murdoch, that sort of thing. So that never sort of popped into my lap, and I quit the job in... 2016, and I had a year where I was doing a bit of freelance and stuff like that, but my heart wasn't in it. So my back was against the wall at home a bit because my wife was looking at me thinking, what what the hell do you reckon you're up to? (laughs) And I'd never thought about writing fiction because I always thought to write it, you needed to have your whole plot of everything, like the whole story mapped out, you know, on a whiteboard or in your head or something. And I just, I didn't have a story at all like that, but what I had was one sort of fairly strong little idea and I was reading sort of fiction writers talking about writing fiction and, and they said all you need is a is an idea and if you've got it, you'll know it and you then follow your nose. So that's what I did. Isn't that funny? Uh, exactly the same as me. Uh, I, I thought that every fiction writer had this amazing whiteboard that they worked off where it went, you know, and then Billy stabs uh, Bobby and then Bobby uh, uh, sleeps with Billy's uh, wife and then uh, all mapped out on uh, like, a, like a family tree on a, on a whiteboard somewhere and then you just filled in the pictures and every writer I've spoken to, none of them do that. No. Nah. Well, some might. I, I think there are two types, but I certainly didn't, and a lot of people, I mean, you could read uh, an interesting um, interview with Lee Child a year or two ago, and he said, yep, he just, you know, he has Jack Reacher gets out of off a Greyhound bus in Arkansas, and, <laughs> and that's all he knows. And I was very much the same as that. I had this idea, which was something that happened on the campus of a big old boarding school out in Sydney in Parramatta, 
and a journalist who had been lived at the school because his father had taught there was sent back to report the crime because his editor thought he might have a bit you know have a bit of access that his competitors in the media wouldn't have and that that was the idea and so it went from there. So how much of that is uh, the old journalist being the man who used to work for the Australian for 20 years and who uh, in his childhood grew up on the campus of a rather large uh, boarding school in in, uh, in Sydney? Yeah, well, so they were the two parts of my life that, that I basically stole. And, yeah, so that, that is me. I, I was a journalist for 20 years, like the, the Adam Bowman in the book, and I did grow up at the King School in North Parramatta where my dad taught. Uh, and I lived there till I was 15. So basically the place is my family home. So all that's true. But then, of course, after that is when I started to make things up. Did you surprise yourself with how plentiful your imagination became as you were doing this, uh, the writing of this book? I did, actually, because, um, yeah, I would sit, literally sit down and write a scene and I'd start the scene. And it, I did a lot of research. I spoke to a lot of cops. And I spoke to a lot of forensic medical doctors. So I had, I had, and that was where I used my journalism to interview them. And and you know, I'd say to a, say to a, like a detective uh, chief inspector in New South Wales homicide, okay, this is what you're looking at. What would you do? And he'd sort of say, this is the sort of stuff we do. So I had that in the background. But then I would literally sit down and write the scene, and I wouldn't know where I was going that day. I'd, I'd just start. I wouldn't try and map it out, even the scene before I started. And I was constantly surprised about, oh, what happened and where I ended up. And, um, yeah, so it was constantly surprising. I mean, it took, as I said, four years, and I'm probably, we're talking 12, 15 drafts. Yeah. So on in the middle of that process, say two years and eight drafts in, I hadn't actually wrapped the whole book up. I mean, if you read it, you'll see... There's two crimes and that needed to be solved, and by that midpoint, I'd solved one of them. Mm. I showed it to my friend Steve Waterson, an editor at The Australian. This is about the eighth draft, and I'd, I'd sort of wrapped up one of the crimes in the book, not not the um, not the second one. And he said to me, "No, you've got to you've got to wrap everything up because otherwise your readers are going to hate you." <laughs> um, so then I went back to it, and I thought. Mm. And talking about, you know, where you surprise yourself with, with your imagination or just things like that, I discovered that within the book, the perpetrator was already there and I didn't realise it. So there was a character in the book who, it turns out, had done it, but I didn't know that. So that was just one of those things where um, you're like, oh, there we go. So, yeah, it is constantly surprising. You, you talk about writing a scene. Is that is that where your mindset was when you when you sit down to write? You, you you're painting that picture in your head, or is there a almost a movie kind of rolling through your head as your as the words are coming out of you? Uh, no, it's more a writing process than say a filmic one. Um, but it the book's very linear and chronological, so it starts and it unfolds over about five or ten days. It's a police investigation, which yeah. is being reported on by the media. So when I say a scene, you know, some chapters might be two scenes and some might be three, but I literally just went scene by scene. And the point of view shifts a little bit from you're either in the head of the male journalist or in the head of the female detective sergeant from Homicide. Uh, And you'd stay in that point of view for the scene. So if I was in the reporter's head, that's where I'd stay and and I'd do that scene. 
So it sort of worked like that. But you write in a beautiful way where I'm in that scene. When when you do whatever it is you're doing, um, I feel like I'm in that scene. I feel like I'm I'm kind of walking along behind a camera almost watching what's going on. Yeah, right. Well, I'm glad that you say that. I suppose that's also just part of, of the process of having time to work on it. So the book really, is, I don't think it's overworked because that wouldn't be good, but it certainly had a lot of work done to it. And that's down to so the level of plot, character, setting, so where you are, but also the prose. And that, that takes a little while. And each, each time you go through it, it just everything just improves a little bit more. So maybe that's what you're seeing a little yeah. bit of this. It's easy to underwrite something, but it's, e- it's really easy to overwrite as yeah. well, yeah, so no. where it's all purple and stuff. So with editors, we really worked on that for the reader. So there's nothing sticking out and they can just, you know, as you say, get in the story and off you go. Yeah. Is that is that the big jump that you have to make from journalism to, to fiction writing or, or writing for, for it to be in a book? Is is that ability to lose that kind of journalism can be a bit dry and a bit simplistic sometimes, whereas writing has to be a, a bit more interesting? I think so, yeah. I, I, my, my journalism as far as writing went, I don't think it helped me at all. Oh, bits wow. of it helped bit, bits of my journalism helped me, but the actual writing part didn't except maybe being at News Limited with I was at the broadsheet, the Australian, but there is a there are obviously tabloids around the country and it's it's a great sort of tabloid newspaper company and that filters through. So maybe what I picked up over the years there was just that ability to write concisely and not use words that you don't need and all of that. Uh, so maybe that helped me a bit, but really I think writing fiction and writing journalism are pretty well two completely different disciplines. Have any of your colleagues and peers uh, from the uh, the Australian identified themselves as Adam Bowman at this stage? Not at this stage. A lot of people seem to think I'm Adam Bowman, but, right. um, you know, <laughs> he's a bit of a, a slightly sad character. He's He's got no children, he's not married, he's 45, he drinks too much, he's a bit obsessive-compulsive in his wiping of benches and, and all of that. And he's got this uh, tragedy in his past that eventually the reader comes to see what it is. And that, that's really a trope of the genre, having, having a character. So he's pulled back to this school where he hasn't been for 30 years and something's happened there. That, that really is sort of a part of, it, it helps drive the plot of the book and it's nothing to do with anything that ever happened to me. Well, that's nice to know. <laughs> that's where it, yeah, that's where it sort of diverges and just becomes, you know, a story. Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy that uh, that whole kind of losing yourself inside a fictitious character and a fictitious story and being able to make that stuff up? Was that was that fun? I, I just absolutely loved it. So i you know, I'm not going to say I, I worked really hard on it, but I tell you that I worked pretty well every day on it. So I would work on it on Christmas Eve. Yep. I wouldn't work on it on Christmas Day because I wouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. But I'd work, I'd work on Saturday and I'd work on Sunday if I could. And I might only do two or three hours or two hours on a Sunday. It was just that needy, need to turn up at the desk every day, sort of pulled to it which I never had as a journo, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd, I'd always be fresh in the morning and, 
and start, and I'd always hate it by the time I finished. And then each morning I'd be I'd be ready to go again, which I think is quite a common common thing you'll hear from writers. Yeah, it is actually. It is, and I don't think that Stephen King talks about the fact that you know he gets up at in the early six o'clock in the morning and goes and sits at his desk and writes all day and, and, and has a lunch break and all those sorts of things. So treats it very much as a job. Uh, definitely a job and consistency. I think. You, I so, would imagine you get a flow going when you when you. Sort of starting to, you know, develop a, a scene or or a chapter. Yeah, and if you can leave the leave it at a good place when you finish for the day, it's easier to get back to in the morning because you know you, you're not coming down to face a problem, which is you know that's a useful tactic. The other thing people talk about, writers talk about, is the role of um, the subconscious. So it's a bit what you were alluding to earlier. But, yeah, so you can't really tell your subconscious what to do, but you can maybe, people say you can maybe train it. So if I'm turning up every day, day after day consistently, my subconscious is thinking, oh, well, this is what we're up to again. So, you know, I might help him out today, you know, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm in the mood. And, yeah, I think that's the thing about doing it every day. You, you sort of train it, your subconscious, and get it match fit, and um, and sometimes it'll help you out. Sometimes it won't. And you'll be that sort of writer's block, I suppose. You mentioned uh, you went. Uh, there were four editors involved in this. Who, who was who was the one person you wanted to read this book and, and literally give you a, a tick of approval and then you felt good about it? Not so much with the editors. I don't know. It's actually, weirdly, probably sort of mates of mine who I sort of see now, neighbours and things, um, blokes uh-huh. who are big readers and they've been watching me do this for four years thinking, what does this bloke reckon he's up to, <laughs> you know? Um, and, yeah, they've gone away and read it and they've come back and said, holy Moses, you know, I just loved reading that. And that's the thing that I'm probably proudest about. And it's also just, you don't really have a specific reader in mind, but it's quite an intimate thing to read a book and to think there's people out there reading because you can sort of put your best face forward as well yeah. um, and for people to read it. But really, with the editors and things, what we were trying to do was craft something that was enjoyable so it's meant to be i mean it's, it's a nasty story it's yeah. about sort of someone killing women but it's meant to be an entertainment and it's meant to be an easy enjoyable read and i think uh from what i'm hearing that we've we've sort of achieved that so i think that's a that's a great spot to be the first time you got the actual book uh, you know uh, the finished product <laughs> in your hand how did how did that feel that felt amazing, actually, because, I mean, I didn't know. When I started it, I didn't have a publisher. I mean, I had no name or, or, or reputation or anything. So I just, and it's not like nonfiction where you can write out two pages and take it to a publisher and say, I'm going to do this, and they might take a risk on it. You've really just got to write the book. So, I, and as, as I said, it took a long time, and I was stealing myself to be sending it to publishers who'd say, oh, look, we like this, but we've had three others this week like it, and it doesn't have the X factor we're after, so thanks a lot. So I really was prepared for, I had, a part of me was prepared for it just for that rejection. Um, It comes with the territory of writing, doesn't it? The rejection's the first first thing you come to terms with is, most people aren't going to like this, but anyway, you move on. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. So when when we got through all those hoops and everything, to actually hold the book is um, is quite an amazing moment, actually. Uh, it's uh, it's good. So what's you've already? I believe I've, I've read a couple of little things where you've already either have you started a second book or you've written a second book, and there's there's a couple of the characters from this book go into this next book. That's pretty right. So I'm I'm about halfway through a second book, and it's not a sequel, but it it's a it's the idea is it's a series. Yep, and so Riley, the female detective sergeant, is the main point of view character in the second book, and she's working with Patel, who's a detective constable. And at this stage, they're up in the lower Hunter Valley around Cessnock, investigating a, a crime up there. So Bowman, the journalist, hasn't shown up yet, and I'm not sure if he will. He might have to wait for book three. I'm not sure about that. And there's a uh, forensic psychiatrist in, in Black River who, Wayne Farquhar, he's probably about to turn up in book two to give Riley a hand and just she just wants him to have a look at someone she's looking at and and get his ideas about, the, you know, the psychology of this character. How did, you, uh, how did you go writing through the eyes of a female through Rose Riley? I didn't think about it too much. That's a good question. I've had a lot of strong female role models in my life, from my mother and my grandmother and my sister to my wife, who I've been married to 20 years, and her her sister and her mother. And then, of course, just I've had a lot of uh, female friends, and I have a lot of female friends. Uh, Some men don't have that, but I'm just one of those people who who does. I, I sort of like chatting to women and talking to women. So I didn't think about it doing it because I didn't want to suck myself out. So I just pulled on things that I've sort of seen and heard and, you know, lived with and just hope hope it worked. I haven't had anyone come back to me saying it didn't, like female readers. So we sold the book to America to a, a female editor, a, a woman um, over there and, what she liked actually was the relationship between Riley, the female detective, and her superior, who's male. Oh. Um, so yeah, at this day, at this point, I haven't had I haven't had anyone come back and say no, it hasn't worked. What I what I do hear a little bit is people would like to get a bit deeper into the character of Riley and flesh her out a bit because. You know, she's a homicide detective in the middle of a very big investigation, which, as I said, runs for 10 days. So she's sort of hard charging and doesn't stop. So there's not a lot of time where you pause with her and sort of go home to her house or, you know, meet her friend and that sort of thing. But maybe you know, in the next book, there'll be a bit more room for that sort of thing. Well, the fact that everyone finds her interesting enough to want to know that stuff is a really is a really a tick in the book for you in terms of your character, um, the way you built the character. Yeah, I think so. And also, as a first-time novelist, you just learn on the job. Um, no one tells you how to develop a character. They just tell you, oh, this character's a bit one-dimensional and this was all the drafting <laughs> and reaction. But they don't tell you, you know, what how to do it. They just tell you it's a problem, and I've, I'm not sure I've still figured quite how to do it. But anyway, oh, we'll keep working at it. It ain't it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. We all dare to dream. Have, uh, have you thought about this becoming uh, some sort of a, a film of some description, or 
Uh, I don't think about it. And I'm being actually honest here. It's not sort of false modesty or anything. I, I, I mean, obviously I'd love it if it happened. But I don't think about it too much. And I think I, I don't – if it did happen, I don't think I'd really want to be involved in, say, the screenplay because – I think it's a different, again, it's a different discipline and I've never done it. And mm. so you'd probably want to leave it to someone who knows what they're doing. It's a bit like sort of journalism and fiction. They're just completely different things. And I mean, you know, I taught myself to write a book, but it took a long time and I needed a lot of, uh, it was a collaborative process. And it's what I enjoy and it's what I was drawn to. So, but there've been a few nibbles about, um, you know, sort of film or screen, um, but it's a long road and, you know, to actually get someone to do it, I think, you know, it, it, it's different to say, you know, I'm interested and I'm, I'm going to sort of put it into have a look at developing it to actually committing to making it. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Congratulations on Black River and hopefully many, many more to come. Thanks, Kevin. Lovely to speak with you. Matthew Spencer, an author I think we'll be hearing an awful lot about in the future if uh, this first book, Black River, is any indication of uh, what he's got in store for us. I think we're going to enjoy the ride and enjoy uh, what we're going to be reading uh, in the coming years. Uh, My thanks to our podcast partners, CSCG. If you want to sort out your finances, they're the people to talk to. Let's not muck around here. CSCG.com.au or give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three. They'll point you in the right direction. They'll help you out. A reminder about uh, previous episodes of the Authorised Podcast. If you want to go back and uh, have a listen to Liz Bursky or John Safran or Brendan Cowell, you might be watching at the moment in the television series The Twelve. Well, he's uh, done a book and we talked to him about that. Michael Connolly, the famous American author, he's uh, in a previous episode. Peter Fitzsimons, uh, the uh, very, very big-selling author and some of the uh, the books uh, that we've had uh, him talk about. Jeff Apter uh, has done a lot of music books we've talked about. It's all there, all in back episodes. Where you found this edition of Authorised, you'll find all the others. So go back and have a listen and enjoy. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Take care. <laughs>